Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 265. This episode is with the women's football youth team lead sports scientist at Benfica, Paolo Carvalho. Paolo's also a member of our online community as well. It was great to have him on the podcast. We spoke about his transition at the club. He's been at the club for six years in a number of different roles with different teams. So we spoke about his transition leading up to this role with the women's youth teams. We spoke about the SNC programme, how often players lift. We spoke about speed work, individualising programmes, and also monitoring, what sort of monitoring they do throughout the season. We also touched on the future of the programme as well. Paolo spoke a lot about what he had implemented over the last couple of years in this role. He also spoke about his future visions for the program at Benfica as well so loads to take away from this one and just before we get into it as well I just want to say I've got huge respect for anybody that comes onto a podcast where they're speaking in a language that isn't their first language Paolo um, is Portuguese he's he's that's his main language and he's came on and done an incredible job um, on the podcast so i Please give him a bit of feedback on it. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. And yeah, massive respect. We've had guests like that before um, from different parts of the world, which is amazing. And I have full respect for anyone that does that. Um, So brilliant work by Paolo. This podcast goes out on the day of our networking event down in London at Battersea, FSCR. Um, the presentations from that event are going to be available on our community very soon so if you remember keep an eye out for those and also just on that point if you're interested in hosting or speaking at one of our events especially looking into next year to 2024 please let us know we're looking to confirm a few venues for the start of next year um, so please you can get in touch on socials at football fit fed or you can email us mail at footballfitfed.com. on to our sponsors now a massive thank you to the good prep the good prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh ready to eat chef cooked meals straight to your door they offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals current activity level and schedule The Good Prep works closely with elite level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton & Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep you in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set. Plus you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. Also a huge thank you to Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sport teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. Whether in the change room post game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or email teamsales at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. Also, make sure to go and check out our sponsors, Rezzle, doing some brilliant work in the world of VR, at Rezzle over on socials, that's R-E-Z-Z-I-L. Go and check them out, give them a follow, check out some of the work they are doing, and let's get into episode 265 with the women's football youth team lead sports scientist at Benfica, Paolo Carvalho. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game 
and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 265. I'm delighted to be welcoming onto the podcast today, Paolo Carvalho. Paolo, how are we doing? Good. Thank you, Ben. No uh, problem. First of all, thank you for the invitation. Um, and I hope I can uh, answer a little bit about how we do the things here in Benfica. Definitely. We're going to dive into that in a second. I've not mentioned yet your role. You mm -hmm. just mentioned that at the club you're at, Benfica, and I know you've been there for a few years across a few different jobs now as well and a few different titles with a few different teams as well. So, Paolo, take us back. Give us a little bit of history and background on yourself. Okay. So, I was a kid who couldn't care less about sports. Okay. I was very into science and physics uh, at, until the age of uh, 12, to 13. That's when my schoolmates got me into parkour and, let, and later on in judo. So I became very athletic and that gave me a lot of uh, confidence. Uh, so I started to enjoy sports uh, and then competing as a judo athlete. Uh, as many of you, unfortunately, I wasn't the most successful athlete, uh, probably because I didn't have the right physical training support, I believe. So I was a very skinny guy that competed in a weight category almost five kilos above my weight, and I couldn't pack uh, on any muscle. So that's what really sparked me my interest in this field since my teenage years. I began coaching judo, was, was I won uh, uh, in high school, still in high school. And when the time to pick up the university came, I, I decided to, sport, to study sports science and physical education. And I became a gym instructor. I really liked that job, but deep down I always had this passion to get into high performance training and help athletes like just I used to be to reach their full potential. So I hit the books again uh, and enrolled in a fresh strength and conditioning post-graduation course, which I believe was the second edition in the, in the university. Because back in 2016, I think, the strength and conditioning scene in Portugal was uh, pretty fresh and I think that was the the only course we have in Portugal to specifically for strength and conditioning. Um, after completing, I got an invitation for the ex-head of sports science here in Bifica who came aboard with the team. Um, one more time. I couldn't care less about football. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was um, a kid who, who, with no, uh, with no, um, not very good in um, collective sports, and I was more for individual sports like judo, parkour, gymnastics. So collective sports is not my area, it's not my, it was not my passion at all. But um, it's life. So uh, since my internship in Ravi, in, I started in, in Ravi here in Benfica as an intern. Uh, and since the internship in Ravi went really well and the co-worker uh, left from the youth football in that time. I was asked to step into to youth football. And that's how I landed the first role 
as a sports scientist and strength and conditioning coach for the under 14 and the under 15 youth football squad. Yeah. After spending three years in that position, um, I, I have always been very focused on development and I really enjoy the methodological and strategical aspects of the strength and conditioning part and the sports science. So I was asked to work with the human youth teams, trying to introduce some of the methodologies we already have in the male part to this new setting. And that marked the first year with a dedicated strength and conditioning coach for the human youth teams. Brilliant. There's a lot to break down there, Paolo, and I want to dive into some of that in a second. Yeah. But just to start us off, you mentioned there about the sort of lack of opportunity in terms of the university degrees. Mm -hmm. Where would you say that progression is at now in Portugal in terms of clubs buying into utilising sports science and strength conditioning? Where, where, where are they at currently? Would you say? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think since then uh, the the job and the area is really great, gaining a lot of traction here, and almost all the clubs, even the more um, uh, not professional or amateur uh, clubs, yeah. are investing in strength and conditioning now, and is. Uh, letting uh, a little bigger than was before, for sure. Um, all the main clubs now have a, a good department of, of sports science department, and um, they work uh, with load monitoring, physical preparation for the, the teams and all that. Some amateur uh, clubs are investing in, th in that too. Uh, but now what we start to happen, we, now we have a lot of strength and conditionings and uh, we don't have a lot of jobs because to a full-time job, only the, the big clubs can afford to pay a, a good salary to live on strength and conditioning. Yeah, no, that's a bit, that's. It's good to hear that there's, there's going to be opportunities though, over mm -hmm. the next few years because you'd like to think that more jobs be, become available. Um, I wanted to touch on your experience as well. I love the fact that you, you fully admit the lack of passion about football and, and sport in general, but I find that fascinating as well. From your experience as, as an athlete in terms of the individual sports, judo, parkour, gymnastics, the things that you've mentioned. So when you first got your experience within the team setting within mm -hmm. football, what were some of your initial thoughts? How did you feel like you could impact the team the most with the work that you did? Yeah. So uh, back in the day, in Befica, we were all about strength training and injury prevention in the gym. Okay, so we only stepped into the field for some basic warm-ups and injury rehabilitation. Um, so when I arrived to the youth male teams, I was uh, I fortunately have uh, a good mentor that give me a lot of um a, a lot of insights about what is um what what is to be a physical preparation coach in football because i think in football is different from the other the other modalities Ooh, football has a lot of myths and a lot of um traditions in the in the culture that we need to speak uh, football to be a physical a good physical preparation 
uh, coach in in football. So, and when when we when I arrived, because I said before, I couldn't care less about football. Okay, so I need I needed to learn a lot about the the sport, um, and that was the the first thing uh, I needed to do to be successful in in this job. So in, in terms of that learning about the sport and learning about possibly why clubs traditionally do the things that they do or did, what was your initial approach to that? What were some of the things that you wanted to know first off that would inform mm -hmm. your practice yeah. and, the, and the programming that you were going to do? Fortunately, I was in the biggest club in Portugal with the, I think, the better coaches I I could have. So I learned a, a lot and I still uh, learn a lot uh, from them. And I needed to, to learn what what is football? What how how we train the football players to play as the coaches want, and what what they need to play as the coaches want in 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 terms of physical uh, preparation. So I started um, in a really basic way, trying to give them the general physical. Uh, abilities strength uh special especially strength and power because uh in in the early days we we only uh, do that and then we started to have more conversations with the with the coaches and start to um like to see to to identify some things we as a strength and conditioning coach could um, step it step in and work with the players in the field so that that's where my passion in parkour and with the movement um, came in so we started to discuss things like about running technique field agility in in the field coordination multi-sports training and i think that was the the first uh the first step to start to including the physical preparation more uh in the field with the coaches yeah. brilliant and i know you mentioned before about initially being on the men's or the boys side of the academy and transitioning mm -hmm. over to the, the women's side. So we're going to touch on that in a little bit. But I'm really interested to hear how you utilized your experience of those sports that you've just mentioned, parkour, gymnastics, and judo, within that physical preparation of your players. Because there are obviously three sports, disciplines, where a lot of clubs probably across the world are using elements of gymnastics, probably of parkour as well, maybe not so much of judo, but the fact that you had that understanding of those sports, what was the initial way that you implemented that working with the players? Yeah, yeah, because I was with the very um, young players, the, um, the initial approach was trying to give them some movement training alongside football. So we start to do, in the warm-up, we start to do some uh, multi-sports training, including some uh, parkour uh, um, courses and uh, animal flow and animal walk movements. And... Uh, and sometimes when the, the coaches want more um, 
aggressiveness for the, the players. Uh, I tried to incorporate a little bit of judo and um, fighting games. I know for um, teaching judo uh, to kids uh, in the warm-ups for the football players. And it was um, a really good experience and the coaches liked. So uh, that's how I put my experience in individual sports in the in the in the collective uh, for, or for the, the the collective advantage of the team. I think I think it also highlights the importance of I suppose celebrating your individuality as a coach as well because you've got experiences there that not a lot of coaches have got especially coaches working in football. So to utilize those skills, I think is really important, isn't it? Like for other coaches, they should learn from that. It might not be the same thing. It probably isn't the same thing. But the fact that you could utilize those skills with the team that you're working with, I think is really important, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I only, I, I always uh, feel, uh, feel like, feel different because I never played football as a, as a player. I played football in school, playing with my, with my mates, but uh, not as a football player. Um, so I, I need to, to have another uh, or other uh, tools to to engage with the coaches and to engage with the, the players and my my approach uh, was trying to be the um, the confident but the the developer so I'm here to help you I'm I don't know uh, anything about about football or I don't know uh, as much as you know, you yeah. know a lot more than me. I know that what I'm really good in developing athletes, and I'm trying to um, uh, transform you as uh, football players in really good athletes to be to in the future to be a better football player. So, yeah, and I think the my experience not as a football player but as a, a different kind of athlete uh, was some impact um, in how the players see me and how the coach see me so it, it was really hard in the beginning to have the confidence of them but with the time uh, uh, and with the results for in the athletes, so that they are becoming more athlete, um, athletes and they are becoming more athletic, and they they started to have more confidence in me, um, and that's when I could really use my experience uh, to implement other stuff like. I said before the movement training, the speed and the agility. The... Yeah. So the the approach you took you took with them was to initially try and get some results that the players and the coach could could see, whether that was improving mm -hmm. speed, strength, what whatever we're talking about, and then you were able to once once you got that buy in and that confidence, that's when you were able to utilize other aspects of your philosophy and your training. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. That's a good, that's a key point. Paolo, you also mentioned before about, I suppose, one of the benefits of not being so passionate about football and being involved in football is the fact that you can look at the, the way we prepare players and remove any sort of bias because you're just looking at it from a perspective of 
why why do we do the things that we do? So what stood out for you? Was there anything initially that not just your club but other clubs were doing where you were just questioning, saying, like, I don't understand why you would do this and why you wouldn't do this instead or why did you spend so much time doing this and not this? Was there anything that's, that stands out to you? Um, yeah. Uh, I think I think I I I grow up a lot as a practitioner um, and and I learned a lot um, with the with the coaches uh, and I think that the main advantage is I, I don't have the biases and I don't have the the myths so I can bring some new thing to the to the table and using all my experience all my knowledge uh, what the the literature say say is better and trying to implement uh, one one advantage is I'm with the young uh, the young player so it's easier to implement new things and try new things and see how how the things uh, going and how it works um, and I think it's the, the that's the main the main advantage uh, I, I remember uh, a lot of resist resistance uh, about um, strength training in the beginning and that the strength training uh, um, was not was not good for the, the, the football players and they arrived the, the pitch with sore with sore legs and yeah so and one of our uh, goals was trying to um, make the coach forget that and we tried to uh, I think th that's when when we try to microdose more uh, and give them the the stimulus and but don't overload them so when I when they arrive to the pitch they still have fresh legs to to run and and I think that's one of the uh, the turning points when we start to see the gym not has the 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 main part because it was the only thing we we do but we try to see the gym as a complement for the sport um, and I think like like I said I, I think we grow up together we we as a physical preparation start to see the things in, in and especially me because uh, I'm not in the in the football I'm not uh, I don't have a football background start to see uh, the, the physical preparation more for the performance in the field with the coaches and the coaches start to see that the physical preparation was really important to keep the players healthy and to progressively give them more tools and uh, more abilities to be better in football. So I think it was uh, like a, a, a relationship when all of us work, when all of us work together, we grow up together. We've got a great month coming up for our community members throughout November because we've got some incredible content coming very soon. We've got both presentations from our event at FSCR at in Battersea. So the speed presentation from Sam Portland and also the presentation on isometrics from Sam Peeps. They're both going to be available to watch back on the community very soon. We've also got a webinar from the one and only Ben Rosenblatt. He was recently on the podcast um, doing some brilliant work now of his company 292 Performance and obviously formerly a performance coach with the FA. 
He's going to be presenting a webinar on high performance secrets. So come and join us because you can access over 150 hours worth of content, plus get access to those presentations I've just mentioned and connect with coaches from around the world, including coaches like Paolo, who are members of our community. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign yourself up there. It'll give you a free month when you sign up. After your free month, you become a paid member of the community and you get access to the members WhatsApp group and access to all the members from around the world as well. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign yourself up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Paolo Carvalho. Yeah, brilliant. I think one thing you need to stop saying, though, Paolo, is that you don't that you didn't have experience in football because you've now got how long have you been at the club? Six years now. Yeah, six years. <laughs> so you got you're picking that experience in football now. Has the one thing that I'm sure everyone will want to know: the passion for football has that changed? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good to hear. Paolo, I want to move now into your current role because I know you're now with the women's team and the youth mm-hmm. women's team in Benfica. So what squads are you? do you oversee now? Okay, so I oversee all the youth teams, but I'm uh, responsible for the B team. Okay. So here we have B team under 19, under 70, under 15, under 13. So I'm with the B team and I have two interns with the other with the other teams that I oversee. Brilliant. So you went into this role a couple of years ago, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was the what was the program like across those squads when you first came into that role in terms of the, the physical program? Yeah. So yeah, when when I first came in, um only the B team have had like one or two gym sessions uh, a week. Uh, only, on, only strength training with the the first team strength and conditioning. Uh, one of the first team strength and conditioning um, coaches, and all the other the other uh, young young teams um, only have the, the coaches and don't have any physical preparation at all. So what was the and first when... step that you took then, Paolo, in terms of taking control of that program? Yeah. Of course, I needed to focus on the, the, the later the later teams, the B team in the under 90. But since the beginning, I I tried to create a curriculum from all the teams. Uh, different from the, the males part, the humans part is still developing a lot. So from one year to the other, we see a lot of changes and um, a lot of uh, advances. So when I arrived, I said, "Okay, uh, I will start with the B team because it's the is next to the the professional team. So that these players needed needed more of physical preparation to reach the A team, the the professional team, better prepared. But I will start to create like a step." A step approach in the other in the other teams. So I started with uh, uh, under under thirteen. Started to do uh, a real simple work of multi sports in the um, in the warm ups and some coordination. And then um, our goal was the work we do with the under. Uh, 15 this year is the work we want to do with under 13 next year. So that was our approach. So it just basically filtered down through the age groups until you covered yeah. all the age groups and then they were onto a, onto a program. 
And what does yeah. that what does that look like now in terms of the progression across those two years? So the um, under thirteen because it's the first um, age group we have, and like almost all the the teams we have, they are one or two years earlier than the 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 team name. So the under thirteen have 10, 11 years old. Yeah. They only do some coordination. Oh, they still do coordination in multi-sports. The under 15 starts to do some strength training, but soft uh, with with soft resistance like uh, resistance bands, some uh, medicine balls, sandbags, and um, obviously the body weight. And our goal for the under 15 is to. Um, end the season with good body weight control and um, good um, strength for their body weight. Yeah. The under under 17 start to do a little bit more um, resistance training, more uh, traditional resistance training. Uh, and it's when we um break the team in two parts because it's the the team we have with more differences between maturation so we have the the less mature mature uh, girls doing uh some work uh, more similar to the under 15s and um, more mature girls doing work more similar with, with the under 19 in the gym uh two time i think two yeah two times a week yeah uh and then in the under uh, 70 we start to implement some uh speed and basic speed and agility work in the warm-ups too they started to do uh some running technique they started to do some races um we started to look to the running technique and try to give them exercises to correct some fundamental and basic stuff like the posture like position some positions um and uh, in the in the under 19 now we are starting in b team 2 we are starting to um uh use the gym so until the under 19 they don't use the gym they do uh the strength training on field under 19 and under b team they use the gym they do a, a ba uh, basic program as uh, basic strength and uh, um, strength training program uh with the the fundamental uh, patterns especially in the under 90 and in V team, I, I I like to keep the main exercises for the for every athlete. Apart from some alternative, I need to give. So for some players that don't feel comfortable with some exercise, or but I like to keep the main exercises the same. To give them some competition to to have some fundamental patterns in the in the um, in the program and then in the B team and we start to do in the under 19 too we had the block of individualized work injury some of the work for injury miti mitigation some some uh, activation muscle activation exercise some mobility exercises but some of the work for their weaknesses or for their needs if the player needs to work on the acceleration we give in the gym we give them the um, uh, exercise for work on acceleration if the player needs more uh, muscle mass in this uh, block uh, they're gonna do uh, hypertrophy work so 
And in the field, we'll, we'll try to incorporate a lot more with the coaches, having some goals, some, some technical, tactical goals in the speed and agility exercises, and monitoring that exercises to see if they transfer to the, to the sport or not. And we are always connecting with and always chatting and discussing with the with the coaches how to um, evolve or how to progress or how to regress the, the the speed and agility exercises to be more specific uh, to the goals, but always keep the um, the physical part in the warm ups too. So. We always want them to reach uh, maximum velocity once per week, maximal acceleration, maximal deceleration, and work to um, increase the, um, the acceleration, deceleration, and change of direction ability. But uh, we have an exercise, we have an exercise with the coaches that is specifically for one technical tactical team in every work uh, in every warm up i don't know if if you understand but <laughs> no definitely that was a great breakdown from what's going on at each age group i just wanted to go yeah. back to you mentioned about i think it was from under 19s that's when they start mm -hmm. using the gym correct me if i'm yeah. wrong um is that yeah. is that more due to like logistics of of the gym being available or is that choice to get the girls in the in the gym at that age and beforehand they can get everything done on the pitch yeah yeah no the, it's only logistics because um we don't have um a centralized uh space to work so we work in different fields uh near the near the um, uh, the stadium of the yeah. main the when the um, the main team of benfica plays so we and we have the the gym in the stadium and the gym is utilized for all the indoor teams and indoor sports teams too so uh we we need to um, uh give give some, uh, so, so prioritize the teams we want in the gym and yeah. the other teams, they need to to do the, the work on the pitch. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you, you touched on another area that I wanted to cover with you and that's the individual approach to programming. I know you've mentioned mm -hmm. there that you're using some activation, some, um, some kind of prehab-based work so does that only come at the later stage of when they're getting up to the under-19s or are they getting any sort of individual programming before that as well? Uh, yeah, so the, um, the under-70 uh, under have some individualized work, but um, for groups, also, no, no individualized work um, for injury mitigation or weaknesses, but for groups of maturation. So that's when we start. We start to break them into groups, one with the more mature players, one with the less mature players. And they have some differences in the program um, uh, because of that. Only only uh, under 19 NB team that have the um, the individualized programs to um, injury mitigation and weaknesses uh, in the gym and in the field. Yeah, yeah, no, that's brilliant. You've also mentioned there about um, maturation, so I'm guessing mm -hmm. that's something that you are monitoring throughout the the process of the the sort of academy journey of the girls as well. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's really a recent process. We we started like 
last year, I think. Um, it's uh, one one of the the things I I I, I stole from the males part. So in the males part, we already uh, do that for some years, yeah. and we started to implement that in the the girls in the girls part, um, and we are for now we are only um, um, give uh, so we are only um, uh, gathering from information for the for uh, hide sitting guide and uh, wait yeah for the different players um and we are starting to create some reports for the coaches but for now we we are only uh using the the data for breaking two groups and to and to have some idea about the the maturation status um we are not yet doing a lot of with that information, but we are in the process of starting to to give that information to the coaches to try to do some biobending experiences to individualize a little bit more the work with the the injuries we see in the different um, we see more in the different maturation stages. Um, and that's uh, what I think we'll try to do in the next steps. Yeah. And and just to wrap us up, Paolo, in terms of that, like the future of the program at the club, you've obviously been very innovative in your approach and, and a lot, made a lot of additions to the program that's got it to the point that it's at right now. Mm -hmm. But I imagine for someone like yourself, you're not going to just accept where it's at and you're going to want to keep driving it forward. So what yeah. what is the next like layer? What's the next step that you see within the program for for the club? Yeah, um, I think the maturation uh, is going to be a really uh, a really uh, the the fundamental of that um, evolution for the program. That's one of the main uh, goals we have for now. And I think when the other, the other uh, evolution was needs to be the more individualized work based on their needs. Not only in the gym when, where it's easy, because there are less players, they are in the confined space we have time to work in in uh, with each of them but also in the pitch too so uh, now we in the in the B team in the under 90 with the GPS we have the we can um, individualize a little bit more the conditioning and the um, technical tactical uh, part and give to the coaches some goals, some physical goals for the the exercises. But I think we need to do that since the under seventy, at least, uh, to prepare to prepare the the girls better when they reach the the A team. And the other crucial evolution I think we need is to be even more in communication and in integration with all the, the staff around the team from the technical coaches to the nutritionists to the and to be uh, a better multidisciplinary team uh, and and to work 
all all of us work for the performance of individual of the performance and development of the individual player and not in trying in not looking all uh, for that team so look for look more for the individual and not the team yeah yeah brilliant Paolo, it sounds like you're doing some brilliant work over there and i, I know you You've taken the program on a lot over the last two years, and it'll be great to see the progression over the next couple of years as well. So keep up the brilliant work. In terms of people connecting with you, mm -hmm. where would you direct them? If they want to message you, if they want to ask a question about what you're doing over there, is there anywhere that you direct them, either social media or email? What's the best way to get in contact? Yeah, I think the, the best place is uh, LinkedIn, or uh, Twitter and Instagram, but Instagram for me is more per uh, personal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but LinkedIn and Twitter, I'm always willing to discuss and to to talk uh, about these teams, and I'm always learning. That's my my motto. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Paolo, I really appreciate you coming on and giving up the time to come on the podcast. We've had it planned in for a little bit, so I'm really uh, grateful for you giving up your time. And, uh, yeah, keep up the great work and stay in touch. Yeah, thank you, Ben. <laughs> Huge thank you to Paolo for coming on the podcast. It was great to catch up with him. Make sure to go and check him out on Twitter. His Twitter handle is Paolo C-A-R-V. SC. So go and give him a follow over on Twitter. He said as well, you can also connect with him over on LinkedIn. I really appreciate him coming on. Um, I think there was loads to take for this one. I think a lot of it from my perspective was around building trust with coaches and players. So earning confidence from their side. And that came through initially through results. And then that allowed him to then put his stamp on the program. So I think that was a an important um, point to take away from the episode. He also said about trying to um, bust some myths in terms of the lifting, players getting sore from lifting, um, and he did that through microdosing and getting play, getting the work done, maybe disguising some of the work a little bit as well. And also he, he mentioned as well, which is something that we probably have to keep in mind that the gym is a complement for the sport. So we aren't training players that are just going to be performing in the gym. It complements what they do. The pitch is the most important. The results are the most important. Performances and everything we do needs to complement that. So that's a really important point as well from Paolo. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, please head over to either Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen. Leave us a review. It massively helps the podcast. It helps us get guests in the future when they're checking out the reviews of the, the episodes I really appreciate everyone that's done that so far um, please go and check out our sponsors as well doing some brilliant work that's Rezzle, Hydro and also the Good Prep and again massive thank you to Paolo for coming on and giving up his time and I will speak to you again next week in episode 266